Good morning. Today's scripture reading is from Colossians 1, verses 3 to 8. And I apologise if there's names I can't pronounce, but we're good. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Ephorus, our dear fellow servant, who is faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Yeah, there you go. That's a me issue right there. Have you ever um, gotten a cup of coffee or a cup of tea and then got busy doing something else and then gone back to it, looking forward to that warmth of that cup of coffee or a cup of tea and finding it somewhat disappointing? Or maybe you're like me, and in the summer, when it was warm out, you would be out playing all the time. And you would be outside, and you would be getting a bit parched, and you would think to yourself, I don't want to go inside. And so you run over to the outdoor spigot where there's the water hose, and you're like, I just need a a cool drink of water. And you turn on that spigot, and as quickly as the water shoots out, you go to put your mouth into it to lap it up. But yet that hose has been sitting in the sun just like you have been all day long. And so that first burst of water is not cool and refreshing but scalding like that coffee that you had wanted to be earlier. And there you're less disappointed and much more aghast at what you've just experienced. I I think today in the world, we often have expectations that are not met. We have this idea of what something is supposed to be, the way that it is supposed to work, And yet we encounter it in ways that far fall short of what we think they're supposed to be. Now, we're in the book of Colossians and we're looking at what does it mean for us to be a community in Christ together. And Paul is writing this letter to a gathering of faithful brothers and sisters to share with them what does it mean for you to be in Christ? How do you operate? What does your life look like in that time? And last week we talked about being given, right, grace and peace and how we receive those from God, how we own those, and then how we proclaim those out. Today, we're going to see Paul push forward into this community to say there is a foundation that can lead to your flourishing. 
But going into that, I want to just draw out real quickly a a, a middle part of this passage. And we'll come back to it, but it sets that idea of expectations. You'll notice here that in the middle, starting in verse 6, it says, In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day that you heard it and truly understood God's grace. There's something amazing that is happening here. For those of you who have been long followers or even just beginning to follow after Jesus, there might be times that you look at your life, that you see your engagement and being in Christ, and you might begin to think to yourself, is this all there is? Am I supposed to say that out loud? Is this really all that Christianity is about? Uh, Like, honestly, it just seems like I'm struggling. And when I go to talk to people about it, sometimes I get lists of things that I should do, which only bring me shame because I never do them. Or I talk to other people who have these grand experiences. And I happen to be in a church that doesn't seem to have those experiences. Or, Or I just don't know enough. And if I really understood the doctrines well, then perhaps I would be filled with joy. Rarely, by the way, does reading a book about doctrine bring people joy. (laughs) Some of us. And so you're thinking about your Christian life, this life in Christ and saying, I'm committed. I'm there, but sometimes it seems anemic. Or maybe you're not quite on the journey yet. And one of the reasons why you're not on the journey is because you continue to look at Christians who say what they believe, how they want to trust in Jesus, how they want to express God's love, yet their actions don't quite match up with the words that they say? These folks that talk about being hope-filled, yet all they do is complain? These folks who seem to say that there's a God who's mighty and in control, but yet they seem fearful about everything that's going on in the world? And so you think to yourself, if that's all Christianity is, just a verbal assent to something, but it doesn't actually impact your life in a way that changes you, well, I'll just keep rooting for West Coast. Well, not, maybe not right now. Because at least I know where they're going. And yet we read in here that this gospel that has affected them is not only bearing fruit and growing in them, it is bearing fruit and growing all over the world. And and I think that we hear that as believers and Christians and those who are thinking about what this walk in Christ might look like. And we go, yes, I want that. And I think Paul here lets us know what that foundation is that leads to that place. You'll notice that he starts out by giving thanks. This is a prayer. This is saying, I'm thankful for you, 
These faithful brothers and sisters who are receiving and owning and expressing the grace and peace of God. He says to them, I give thanks to you in God, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because you are, have heard of your faith in Christ, the love that you have that springs from the hope stored up for you in heaven. Now, if you've been around church that much, you know this is like the triad of all triads. This is like the beautiful trinity of what it means for us to be resting and built in the foundation of God. That idea of faith, hope, and love. In your worship booklet on page 10, I've added a couple of other additional readings for you that really draw out this idea of faith, hope, and love. I want to look at 1 Thessalonians, though, verses 2 and 3 of chapter 1. Here again, Paul says, we always give thanks for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor your labor prompted by love and your endurance inspired by hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. This idea of faith here, Michael Byrd in his commentary also wants to lay on top of it and I think it's appropriate. Not just faith in Christ, not just a trust and an assent in what he has done, but also there's a sense of faithfulness. That Greek word can carry both of those things at the same time. So there's a faithfulness that is given to us that we are trusting, but in that trust, it's not just mere mental assent, but it is actually an action-oriented faith. Our, our faith is not crippled by just going, I'm thinking the right thoughts, but it's because I believe and trust in Jesus, it enables me to walk faithfully in what he's called me to do. That we also have this idea of God's steadfast love walking and moving with us, drawing us in, and that we then reside in that love and that strength that he has for us. Now, Paul here in Colossians says that these two things spring from the hope that is stored up for us. Now, this is really interesting because hope is the, to have trust and belief in the things that are unseen, knowing that God is doing something and going to bring us here. But this hope has actually an object. The hope stored up for us in heaven. Too often, one of the reasons why those who are on the journey towards Christ are those who are absolutely against anything to do with Christ will look at believing Christians, those who are following after him, and say, your head is in another world. You're not paying attention to what's going on down here because all you talk about is getting to heaven like it's some sort of reward. And the danger for us in this passage is to go, oh yeah, the hope of heaven. That's not what Paul says. He says, the hope that is stored up in heaven. 
And for us, we know what resides in heaven at this very moment because we trust and believe that after the resurrection, Christ himself ascended into heaven, becoming part of the glorious Trinity, bringing Holy Spirit to us, enabling us to live in faith, hope, and love. And our hope is not just that we someday get out of this place and get to a better one. Our hope is that Jesus is there. He is our hope. That is stored up for us in heaven. Because if it's just to get out of here and get to another place, that will fall short when the trials and calamities of the world come. It falls short when things don't go our way. Because all we can possibly do is go, well, we'll hope for another day. But if Christ himself is our hope, then he can enter into that place of disintegration. He can enter into that place of hurting. He can enter into that place of confusion as he resides in heaven. Saying, Holy Spirit has been given to you so that you can rest in it. Going back to Bergerman, who I mentioned last week, he says this. That these three, these triadic formula of thanksgiving, this foundational thing, that these are here to each individual Christian and in the community from the beginning to the end. That it's a faith which reaches out to grasp God's offering of King Jesus. That it is a love which binds the community together. And it is a hope that looks forward to what God is completing and what he has completed in Jesus. And so we recognize then that the Trinity, God the Father, presenting himself to us in Jesus his Son, sacrificing completely in his steadfast love to bring us in, empowering us then through the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to walk and grow in faith, love, and hope as our foundation. Richard Lovelace is an author and writer, and in his book, Dynamics of Spiritual Life, he says this about congregations, but it can be also about people. He says, most congregations of professing Christians today are saturated with a kind of dead goodness, an ethical respectability which has its motivational roots in the flesh rather than the illumination and enlivening control of the Holy Spirit. See, what he's saying here is that there are lots of people who are longing to walk in the way of Christ, to be community together in Christ, whose lives are not walking empowered by the enlivening control of the Holy Spirit, yet by some outward external thing saying, if I just do good, then everything will be all right. I love that word, dead goodness. 
That'd be two words. That idea that the very good things that I'm doing don't quite match up. Why? Because I'm not doing them from faith, hope, and love. I'm actually walking in them to make sure that I get God's favor, which he's already freely given to me in Christ. Jonathan Edwards, who wrote and preached all sorts of things, and there's parts of his life that I'm like, yes, 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 and there are really parts of his life that I'm like, no, 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 but isn't that everybody? He gives the illustration about honey. And he says, you can know that honey tastes good. It's obviously the Lee Hinkle paraphrase of Jonathan Edwards' illustration on honey, by the way, because he would have used much different language than me. These and those and those. You can taste, you can know that honey is good if you talk to somebody who's tasted it and experienced it. And they could say, oh, it's so sweet, so amazing. Like, you won't believe the goodness that it just one little drop. Oh, you're going to love it. And you can know that. You can even believe it. Yet until you actually taste it, it is just out there. It's when we fully experience the taste of honey that when we fully have it within our mouths, we let it hit our taste buds. We desire, most of us, not everybody loves honey, and I get that, want a little bit more. Just another taste. Jonathan Edwards says that that's the way that it is with God. This man who was all about correct doctrine said, you can have good thoughts, but unless you are experiencing Christ, then you miss the true flavor of who he is. And so we go back to that passage that says that this gospel that you know know is moving out and moving forth, expanding not only within yourself but all over the world. And particularly for us in the West, it would seem that that's not true, that secularism is growing and that people are leaving the church and faith in droves. But according to Gordon Cromwell, theological seminary and a report that they do every year on religion and spirituality in the world, they would say that is not the case. In fact, that while the numbers of all religious people is growing at just a 1.27% rate, the growth of non-religious people is less than 0.52%, well below the total population growth number And in particularly, they say the number of atheists is almost stagnant, only growing at 0.18% per year. They go on to say that there are fewer atheists around in the world today, 147 million based on their surveys and those things, than in 1970 when there was 165 million And they expect the number to continue to decrease and decline over the coming years into 2050. When I guess they assume they'll never do this report again because Jesus is coming back or something. I don't know. (laughs) 
Now, I don't say that to go, nah, 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 nah. We're winning. That's not the point. The point is to look at it and know that the gospel is moving and having work done. That it is flourishing in places. That it's not just about dead goodness. But there are those who are living in the illumination and the enlivening of the Holy Spirit. Can can we go back to this word? Within this passage it says, Just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. That word understood is an amazing word. There's a, a, a cognition to it, a, an understanding what it means. It's, it, it's that idea of, I, I got it, aha, right? But it's more than that. See, that word can also be used as taking hold of something. That it's not just a recognition of what something is, but it's actually grabbing hold of it and bringing it in. So if faith, hope, and love is our foundation that springs from the Trinity of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as we begin to know the gospel, which is this, that God longs to be our God and for us to be his people. It's when we begin to grasp that and we don't just understand it, but we take hold of it. That word goes even further. It's more than just taking hold of it. It is recognizing, not just an ascent to know it, not just taking hold of it, but recognizing it, seeing it, being able to point it out. Do you see what God is doing over there? When we read these things about the global church and what's taking place, we should hear that and go, amazing. But not only that, you and I have people in our own lives who are being transformed by an encounter with the living God. And too often, I think we go, eh. When we should be recognizing it, maybe taking notice of it. And then the last thing that that word understand carries with it is this. Not only am I, oh yeah, I get it. Not only am I taking hold of it. Not only am I able to recognize it all over the place, but I am able to communicate it. To speak it out, to say it both in life and word, to to go, this is what the gospel is. This is what is going on. It's at that moment that the gospel takes root in our lives. That it digs deep down into the soil of our hearts. And begins to bear good fruit in our faithfulness, our love, and our hope for God and for those around us. But just like good trees that dig deep into the soil, their roots share with other roots of other trees. That you need those trees working together underneath that soil to be able to give life and fullness. And we need one another in that way. And so that's the beauty of Epaphras here. See, Paul, interestingly enough, never met the people in this church. It's Epaphras, this faithful servant who shares the word of God. 
And so as we walk in this place as a community that is in Christ, we recognize that each one of us have those Epaphrases. We have those people who've walked in our lives and, and, and shared the, the gospel with us, helped us to come to understand it, to know it, to take hold of it, to recognize it, and to proclaim it. And so my question for you today who are trying to figure out if this is really real, hear this. God is real. He is moving towards you in his steadfast love. And that it is more, so much more, but includes sitting here, singing worship, gathering with this group of people, doing Bible study, praying, sinning and confessing, repenting, receiving forgiveness, giving forgiveness, being salt and light in the world, seeking God's mercy and grace, looking at the way the world works and saying, how do we bring life into this? It's all of those things. Some of them we do really good. Some of them we don't. And if you are here and you are following after God, can I just ask you, who are you being an Epaphras for? Who are you walking with so that they can hear and know and begin to understand the good gospel of God's steadfast love for them? Fremantle Church, we have an identity statement, right? And we say this, that we want you to experience and know. We never want to be a place where you just can gain head knowledge. We want it to move from that place into your heart, into your guts. So that you can move into this place in this firm foundation of faith, love, and hope. In order for us to be those who then express and make known God's great love for us and for others. Let me pray for us. Let these words be your words, Lord. Let them bring you glory and honor and praise. If there's anything that's not from you, let it burn up and go away. But those things that are from you, let them bring good works and praise to your name. And it is in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Let's stand and respond together in song.